0: This is the Emerging Women Podcast, where we become inspired to live and lead from the truth of who we are. We're creating a new paradigm for power that includes the feminine perspective because the world needs it. Welcome. Welcome, everybody, to our podcast on Financial success, financial thriving, and today we have Barbara Hewson, formerly known as Barbara Stanney, who is here to talk about her work and her new book, which I'm super excited about, called Rewire for Wealth three steps any woman can take to program her brain for financial success. I am really honored to have Barbara on our show today. And I wanna tell you before I turn it over to her for questions, a little bit about her and her impact specifically on me and Emerging Women. As I started Emerging Women back in 2013, And 2014, I became aware of Barbara's work and I read the book Sacred Success, which at that point was out in hardcover. And she was applying the Course of Miracles to financial planning and money mindsets and practical, practical financial success directed specifically at women, but with a huge spiritual lens. And it spoke to me and it was a big support. In most of the formative years for emerging women, I just kept coming back to that passion that I had for my purpose during the darkest nights where the finances and the cash was tight and her other books are incredible. She's got a a number of amazingly titled books, which will give you an idea of her work and her background. Uh, Her first book was called Prince Charming Isn't Coming, How Women Get Smart About Money. And I know I'm like going way, way back here, but I love the title of that book. And I feel like it's still relevant for many of the women that I meet that are still grappling with being self-empowered with their own finances. Overcoming under-earning and secrets of six-figure women. These are just samples of her works and, and will give you an idea of, of how she really targets women and specific behaviors and mindsets that women may have inherited uh, through many different vehicles that potentially hold us back. She has a monthly masterclass series and she also focuses on investment behaviors, which I'm very curious about. Long story short, Barbara Hewson for decades has been writing, teaching, and guiding women to claim their power and to realize personal, professional financial success. And it's just my honor to be digging deep into this new angle on her work, which is all around reprogramming our brains for success and wealth. Welcome, Barbara.
1: Thank you. I'm so glad to be here talking to you.
0: It is such an honor. And I'm going to try and control my enthusiasm because I just, I want our audience to know that I really value, really value my relationship with money and also just financial success as part of our personal success. And I think a lot of times as women, we may like to separate those or we have certain connotations around financial success that gets, you know, that makes us feel, I don't know, icky or less, or there's so much wrapped into that. And I just, I'm here for emerging women to claim the juiciness and the value around looking our finances square on and to incorporate that as a measure for success, not the only measure, but definitely a measure for success. So let's dig in, Barbara, and we can start many different places, but I thought I would look at the the sort of, I know in your book, Rewire for Wealth, you, you look at the different ways that men and women over the course of your observation, over the course of decades of your relationship Uh, to the research out there, that there are some patterns that and and also over the course of your own personal coaching, and guiding and teaching for women, maybe you could, like address some of those patterns, um, and also weave in your personal story, which I find um, extremely relevant and always so fresh when you tell it.
1: Well, let me start with my personal story. (laughs) Because Um, Just so people can get to know where I come from. I did not pop out of the womb knowing about money at all. I, I was born into a wealthy family, but the only advice my father ever gave me about money was don't worry, which I thought was amazing advice because I didn't want to worry. I just wanted to spend money and I didn't understand it. But I married a man who was a stockbroker. So, and he was a certified financial planner. So he was perfect, right? Well, I found out very early in our marriage is that he was a compulsive gambler. And I find out every year, many times a year for 15 years that he was gambling my money, my inheritance away. And here's the insane part. For 15 years, I let him manage the money. I gave him total control. Because that's how terrified and I and, and and intimidated I was by anything financial. And finally, after 15 years, we got a divorce. I decided money is not my thing. I didn't understand it. I didn't want to deal with it. Well, I had this theory that if you don't deal with your money, your money will deal with you. And I got tax bills for way over a million dollars for back taxes. My ex didn't pay for illegal deals he got us in. And my signature was on everything. My ex had left the country. I didn't have anywhere close to a million dollars and my father wouldn't lend me the money. And that's when I knew, that's when I knew I had to get smart. I had three daughters. One was just a baby. I was not going to raise those girls in the street. So I started reading and I started going to classes and I'm telling you, my brain fogged up and my eyes glazed over. And I just figure I was terminally stupid, but I had these three girls and I was committed. And I really believe I really believe that when you make a commitment, a down to your toes, no back door, I'm going to walk through fire to get it done kind of commitment, the universe revolves to help you reach your goal. And I was a journalist writing for the San Francisco Business Times, and I was hired, this was in the 90s, for a freelance project to interview women who are smart with money. And those interviews changed my life. I not only got smart about my money, but I wrote my first book, Prince Charming Isn't Coming. And suddenly I had a whole new career. I was traveling all over the country, but I couldn't make money. So I interviewed women who made lots of money. And I started making six figures before I even finished writing my next book, Secrets of Six-Figure Women. And then I wrote my next one, Overcoming Under Earning. And so here I am. Barbara, can you also just
0: reference, because I know know your father is a big figure in your life for many reasons, but I think it's also relevant to know that background. It's quite striking. Could you just tell us a little bit about him?
1: Yeah, my father was the R of H&R Block. And he did not believe, he clearly was very explicit about, he did not believe that women should make or manage money. That was just very clear. So part of my struggle with understanding money, it wasn't the money, it was my absolute belief that I was incapable.
0: Mm.
1: And that kept, me, that held me back for a long time. Mm. But, and it's true that most women, research shows that most women do not get serious about money, managing or making it until they hit a crisis, until they lose a job, lose a spouse, or they're on the brink of retirement, which is the worst time to start. So I think that's part of my, um, that's part of what gives me momentum and keeps me going is to help women make the decision. It's time to get smart or smarter about money before a crisis hits.
0: Yeah. And so you, you know, it's, it's funny, I was going to say, it's kind of a generational thing, but maybe your father was more overt, but, uh, I have to tell you that I, you know, also had, it was a less, it was more of an indirect messaging, but it was still sort of there for sure. Let me tell
1: you, they just did a study. Who was it? Was it Fidelity? They just did a large scale study on millennial women and they found out 54% of millennial women who were married depended on their husband to make all the financial decisions and do all the So this, you know, Prince Charming doesn't need to be a man. Prince Charming could be anything we think will rescue us financially. And it could be just an amorphous something. Something's going to come along and save me, but Prince Charming is alive and well. Gotcha.
0: Yeah, that's a really great distinction.
1: And, and I'll tell you, i tell you, it is not about money. I always say in everything I do, problems with money have little, if anything, to do with money per se, and everything to do with our fear of or ambivalence about power. Mm,
0: say more about that, because we're getting into this sort of patterns and behaviors that I started the the podcast with opening up about that. So tell us more because I know women have a, you know, I mean, we're developing our relationship to power is changing, but we're up against a, you know, millennia, <laughs> millenniums of just awful programming.
1: I remember I first got this hint when I wrote my first book back in 1995. I, I, and I got the sense that women's, issues with money was about their fear of power Mm -hmm. and I remember talking to a therapist a psychologist who specialized in finances and I remember saying to her why are women so afraid of their power Mm -hmm. and she said something to me that gave me full body chills and she said because powerful women have been burned at the stake
0: Mm -hmm.
1: and I truly believe our fear of power is as you say it's 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 Part of our collective unconsciousness for all the suffering and the, the, the consequences, and how we were punished for being powerful. Now, part of it is we don't understand power from a feminine perspective. My definition of a powerful woman is someone who knows who she is, who knows what she wants, and expresses that in the world unapologetically. Mm-hmm. So basically, Our fear of power is our fear of becoming all of who we're meant to be. It's speaking up and saying no to what we don't want. Because what happens is we will tend to water ourselves ourselves down so we don't make waves. And really, it's not about the money. It's about who you have to become to become a container that can attract, hold, and grow your wealth. Yeah.
0: So when you say that attract, are you talking about, and also there's this desire. So is there a link there with acknowledging our desires that increases
1: our sort of magnetic field? No, desire has nothing to do with it. We can desire all we want, but Mm -hmm. if what we desire isn't really what we truly want inside, we can say we want money. We can say, I want to be rich. Yeah. But if if we think rich people are greedy, if we think rich people are bad, if we think it's scary to have all that money to manage, then we don't really want to be be rich. What we want to do is we want to be like, we want to be safe. And you always get what you really want, not what you ask for. It's the gotcha. difference between the law of attraction, which is you focus on everything you want, you desire, that's all you think about. But what happens when it doesn't come to you? It's because what we they don't talk about is what I what's called the law of congruence. And that is when what you want is not congruent with what you say you want, you get what is deeply in your heart that you want.
0: Okay, break that down again, because we've got the wanting, knowing what we want, We've got the feeling of desire, which sounds like there's a, you know, that's getting confused. And also this sort of universe reading what you really want.
1: So could well, you I'm just like, say that again? Yeah. I'm going to tell you what the most powerful effect is. It's not desire. Desire is good. You know, I really want something. Wanting is good. But the real crucial piece is what you expect. What you expect. There's this thing called self efficacy. And nobody talks about that, but financial self efficacy is the kind of secret sauce in determining whether you will be wealthy or not. And financial self efficacy means that you believe and you expect to have a lot of money. Expectation is far more powerful than belief, than, than desire.
0: Got it. Why because is that?
1: Because our brain, our brain is, is the, when our brain expects something, it goes looking for it. Desire is not enough. It is not strong enough because oftentimes when we have a desire, there is a conflicting desire underneath that. That, and that conflict, that internal conflict keeps us stuck. But when we expect something, Expectations are powerful. They, they even showed how a teacher's expectations of children can determine how good they are in school. Our expectations that it will happen is far more powerful than our desire because desire is not a conviction. An expectation is a conviction. And our brain will go very far. Our, our brain will all, it's, it's something called confirmation bias. Our brain will always confirm what we believe.
0: Right. And Well, I was going to say, how do we get from, how do we get to that point where, well, from desire to belief or let's leave desire out. Like I know what I want. And you know, because desire feels emotional to me. So I, I just, um I, I, I hesitate to like throw it out totally <laughs> because there's a motivating force there. So I want to understand where it fits, but how do we go from, this is what I want to, this is what I believe. And then I'm expecting it.
1: That's a really good question because desire is important. I desire, I desire to have millions. I desire to write a book. I desire to create a business. Those are all great. However, if you have the desire and it's not happening, you're not accumulating money. In fact, you're going into debt. Your business isn't growing. All these things you desire, then you have to look deeper. You have to kind of lift up the hood and look at what is competing what is going on and that's where you have to because your desire comes from love and if and the the what's keeping it comes from fear so you have to look at what you are afraid of because really there's only two voices in our head two voices one is the voice of fear and one is the voice of love every emotion can boil down to love or fear so it's important to notice which is the strongest emotion? Is it your desire to create that business? Or is it your fear of failing or your fear of the consequences or your fear of being humiliated? Whatever it is, if that is stronger, then that's what needs to be dealt with in order to get the belief, the desire and the belief on the same trajectory.
0: Got it. And I have to just say, I remember working with you when you were coaching me. <laughs> I didn't realize how much fear I have, or had, really. And uh, it's funny to discover that the the depth of the fear that we hold as women, uh, just in society, from like you said, power, and uh, but also the fear, the 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 bag lady syndrome, and uh, there are so many fears around sort of not being taken care of, and that just goes so deep. And I was somebody who knew I had some fear, didn't know the depth of the fear. How do you sort of suggest that we as women navigate that if we don't have a personal coach kind of like pulling it out of us? What are some of the things that we can do to, to sort of unearth and start mitigating for that fear?
1: Well, if you're not getting what you want, if you're not creating what you desire, if the doors aren't opening, it's time to look inside. It's like if your car stalls, you got to lift up the hood, see what's wrong. And that's what I'm looking For me, I will tell you this story. So what happened for me is when, so I got these tax bills, right? And for over a million dollars, my lawyers got the tax bills down significantly. If I sold any everything that was left in my trust, except for a couple buildings, I could pay off and I would be fine. So I had a couple real estate invest in, investments that would pour off enough money that I could live if I lived very frugally. So that was good, but I was really determined to understand money. I was terrified at this point. And I couldn't. I just... I kept looking, you know, I kept reading books, I kept going to classes. I and it was just like reading Swahili. It just didn't compute. So I went to a therapist. And I said to him, Daniel, I really want to understand money. I really do. I just really want to get smart. And he looks me in the eye and he says to me, No, you don't. And Chantal, I could not argue. There was a I could, it was like he took the air out of my defenses. There, And I realized there was a part of me that was terrified that if I had money, I would just lose it. I would screwed up. I was terrified that my parents would be upset with me. And I was really scared that if I became financially successful, a man wouldn't love me. And it was by understanding and dealing with Each of those parts that I eventually overcame my fear. And there was nothing stopping me. Then it was just a straight line. And then then other fears come up. So, really, whenever you're in resistance, whenever you're stuck in resistance, is that feeling like, I don't want to do this, or I can't do this, or no way, no way, no how. And whenever you feel like that, it's always because there is an internal conflict party you wants to and party you doesn't and so it's in, what what what's helpful is to ask yourself questions like what would happen if i am successful what would happen if i became wealthy what is the payoff for staying where i am if you can just ask yourself some exploratory questions that look at, really look at what you're scared of, why you're scared. Once they're brought out in the open, then they can be dealt with and released.
0: Mm. I love that. It almost feels like, uh, you know, doing something like that in terms of like stream of consciousness where you're not
1: thinking too much and you're just listing. Yeah. 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 Yeah, because you, you can think your way out of it, but that's not helping you. And so journaling is a great way. I, I journal a lot, but just simply asking yourself questions like why don't I want this? Oh we we ask ourselves, what do I need to do? But often the much more important question is what do I need to let go of?
0: Hmm.
1: And is the answer always fear? Everything always boils down to fear. But what is prompting the fear? Is it a belief? Is it an actual situation? Uh, so find out what the fear is stemming from. Yeah. I, I, yeah, so when I realized that I was scared that a man would love me, I really had to explore that. Yeah. And I realized that I was, aban- I was so afraid of being abandoned by another, but I was abandoning myself.
0: Yeah, isn't that funny? Right? Yes. We kind of either hire the people to do the dirty work for us or we do the dirty work to ourselves.
1: <laughs> so, but, um, yes, but, but the important thing is, is really to tell the truth because mm-hmm. truth, truth is power and the more, mm-hmm. And the more honest you can be with yourself about what you want and what you don't want and what what you're scared of, the more the more easily you'll slip through that and get to the other side.
0: Right. Hello, lovely listeners. I want to pause for a moment here to make sure that you know how you can get even more access to this type of inspiration and support. Emerging Women has its own membership community where you get teachings from incredible female leaders and coaching support directly from me, as well as other brilliant members within the Emerging Women Tribe every month. If you are ready to go deeper into your own leadership and emerging journey, head over to emergingwomen.com for a free trial of our membership community. We've truly designed it as a hub for women like you who want to create change in the world. Don't go it alone, sisters. Head over to EmergingWomen.com forward slash membership and start your free trial today. Now, let's get back to our conversation. Well, here's another question. This is more of like, what if someone has done a lot of work here? This is is now becoming a personal coaching session. Okay. Um, And made a lot of headway. Um, with the mindsets and the repatterning and um, but there might be like a ceiling for instance like maybe the fear is gone but the the limitation is more in the how big you know how big can I go really
1: and then the fear isn't gone then then the fear isn't gone got you yeah if you ask the question oh my god how big can I go like ooh, that's scary Because if you say, oh, God, how big can I go? That's exciting. Those are two different conversations.
0: Well, it's more like um, I'm thinking of, all right, let's just use a really pedantic example here where, okay, someone's thinking about a car that they want to buy. And so they want to just free think and they flash on a Porsche, right? Oh, yeah, I want the Porsche. But then it's like, nah, the, the Volkswagen's more realistic, right? So what is, where does that fit? It's like we put it, I and, I, and I have seen this, I have seen this in leadership also, and the reason I'm asking this, um, more so with women than with men. And again, it's more, of maybe it's a feminine versus masculine, but I have seen it with women where they cap how far and how big they can go like they have a little fleeting look and then they they cap it,
1: you know? Oh my gosh, yes. I yeah. did it. I, I do it all the time. Right. I, I found like even a couple of years ago, I remember I woke up one morning and I was had been making six figures for quite a few years. And suddenly, I actually it was the middle of the night, I woke up, oh, I had this new goal. I want to make millions, help millions, give millions. That was my new goal. Hmm. And immediately I thought, I know how I'm going to do it. I'm going to interview women who make millions. And that's going to be my next book. So three years later, I had interviewed all, at least a hundred women who had made millions. I was nowhere near making millions myself. It was 19 two, 2009. Probably the worst year I was having I was not making six figures. I, I I just, I, and I remember a coach said to me, Barbara, you're too into doing, you need time for just being. Mm-hmm. So I remember I went on a retreat and this, and I took those interviews with me. And I realized, I think this, I'm getting off in a different subject, but I'm going to get back to your subject. Okay. And, and I realized that these women who were making millions were doing it in a very different way than the world modeled. And that became my next book, which you talked about, Secret, uh, um, Sacred Success, of course, in Financial Miracles. And so I now had what I needed and I now had the belief that I could make, um, make a million. I could, I could, I could. And I still couldn't. And <laughs> I remember I went to, uh, so I started going to this coach, very expensive business coach. And she pushed me to raise my prices. And I wanna tell you, I've written two books on <laughs> raising your prices, on overcoming under-earning. I have I have helped thousands and thousands and thousands of women raise their prices. And I freaked out when she told me to raise my prices. But this is what happens when you go to go to the next level. Yeah. Part of you will resist because it means going outside your comfort zone and success in everything. Whether it's making more money or losing more weight is always found just outside our comfort zone. So I did, I raised my prices. I didn't make quite a million that year, but or the next year, but almost really close and uh had the best year I ever had. That is so awesome.
0: That's exactly what I was talking about. Oh good. Yeah. Yeah. That's that's exactly what I was talking about. Because, you know, it's amazing how many times I see the capping of the vision and it's so subtle but I think what I'm hearing you say is that often when we're doing that it's a sign that we're ready to up level I love this interpretation of it anyway you know like it's a sign that we are getting close to getting to that next level and there's going to be resistance because exactly yeah our brains don't want to change
1: our brains do not want to change and our brains have been wired and shaped and sculpted over our lifetime and going against a hardwired neural pathway is like going against gravity but I'm here to tell you every time I get scared and I scare myself all the time I, I I'll panic a little bit and then I'll go oh wait this means I'm going to the next level and then I turn that fear into excitement it doesn't mean I'm not scared but I'm looking at I'm reframing it to oh goody oh goody I'm going to the next level so anytime you get scared and you said oh am I thinking too big say no because the fact that thought came in your head meant it was planted there from the universe or you wouldn't have had it
0: bam yes love that Love that. I love that so much. And that's such a good reminder because, I mean, I just get exhausted if I think of myself doing this with my own will and my own, without yes. that universal connection, It just yes. feels like a slog.
1: Yes, exactly. And I mean, Chantal, you have made, you have just created something so brilliant and it hasn't been easy. It's never easy. That's that's the fun thing for me is getting the backstory of all the successful women I've interviewed and worked with. And you realize it is challenging. It is full of challenges. But these women who make it are so purpose driven. They have such a strong purpose like you. Mm. That they will walk through fire. And that's what I noticed when I interviewed women who make millions is that they were profit driven. They they wanted a profit, but profit was not their primary goal. Yeah, they definitely wanted a profit, but their primary goal was greatness. And I define greatness, paraphrasing a a quote by uh, Fred Buchner. Greatness is that place where your deep, gladness, what you are here to do, what you were born to do, meets the world's deep hunger.
0: Oh, love that. Who said that? Who is the
1: the person? Fred, Fred Buchner. So while I was on this retreat where I was burnt out after I had interviewed women who made millions and I was nowhere close. I went on this retreat and I remember the first morning I was lying in bed. I woke up and I thought, here am I coaching women, writing books on how to help women make more money and be more successful financially. And I felt like a loser, like a big L was tattooed on my forehead. Mm -hmm. And I remember getting up to go to the bathroom and halfway there, I, I heard this voice in my head that was as clear as my voice is to you now. And it said, Barbara, go for greatness. And I went, what? <laughs> greatness was not a word I often use. And it said, go for greatness. And I went back and I started to my bed and I started journaling. And then all of a sudden, these interviews with these women that, that I had done started to make sense mm. that, that there are three levels of financial development there is survival, stability, and affluence. Survival is not enough. Stability is just enough. And affluence is more than enough. To go from survival to stability, you must have a profit motive. You must. Profit's a good thing. You love money. Money is a wonderful thing. A lot of people don't like money. But that you have to like money and want money. But once you get to financial stability, Then you give up profit as the primary goal. It is definitely a desired income, but then the primary goal is greatness. And that's when I understood what greatness was. That's when everything fell into place.
0: That's wonderful. I just I remember you sort of talking about these three levels and um, when we were working together, and just the word affluence was something I, I had to sort of rework my relationship with, right? And yeah, I wonder yeah, yeah. if that's a like a pattern that you see out there.
1: Yes, and it, I, I think it's really important because there's a lot affluence has gotten a bad rap. Mm. <laughs> really bad rap. My, my whole point of focus is to help women create wealth, not just get out of debt. But to create wealth, which is so possible. And I define wealth as having more than enough, and you know it. Simply having more than enough. You can I know women who are worth millions and millions who <laughs> who don't feel wealthy. And I know others who some would say are under-earners, but They feel wealthy. They know they have more than enough. They know they feel financially secure. Mm. And that's what we're going through because the the root word to wealth is wheel, The Latin word wheel, W-E-A-L, which means well-being. And the whole point of creating wealth is to have well-being, to feel at peace in your life.
0: Wow. I had never heard that. That is... When you equate that with sort of a negative interpretation of power, right? Because wealth and power, both and affluence, they're all kind of have that same bad rap, uh, especially among women, right? Uh, or at least, you know, the programming that we've inherited uh, biases us towards that in, in many instances. And when you put it in terms of well being and peace, It just feels like a bomb and it feels like, well, that's my God-given
1: right. It is our our God-given right to be, because all all power means is being fully yourself. Right. Your truth. And that is our God-given right. And it's so interesting because money is our birthright. The original coins were were the first mint was a priestess named Juno Moneta in Rome she was the high priestess and money was named after her Juno Moneta and she was the first treasurer of money it is our birthright to have money
0: wow
1: and it's and you asked me in the very beginning, and I never answered you, the difference between men and women with money. Is they've done many studies on this, and one of the most there's many profound things I got out of it. But men are by and large, this is a general the generality, men are very motivated, no matter how much money they have, of having more profit. Profit, perks, and prestige. Very motivated. A woman. Once we have food on the table, a roof over our head, you know, we can go out and get a mani petty occasionally. Once we have financial stability, we're not really motivated by more money. Oh yeah, we, we want more money. But what motivates us is what we can do with our money. How we can use our money to help others. Mm-hmm. And, that, and that's really what motivates us.
0: Right. Um, I totally relate to that. And that's what makes this sort of a call to women there's more at stake here than our own personal relationship and our own personal finances because if we can get to the place where we feel empowered where we have that sense of well-being and peace um, not just around money but in general then we can fully turn to the rest of the world and sort of put your oxygen mask on others. (laughs) Well, first we got to put it on ourselves actually, because um, in order for us to help others, we need to be fully solvent, healthy, Mm -hmm. and at peace and self-loving, self-compassionate. So I see that this as a call, not just, you know, a personal
1: development, but um, a call to heal the world. I really believe that when powerful women (laughs) come together with enlightened men, we can absolutely have the resources, the values, and the vision to literally heal this planet, to change this world.
0: Yes. Fabulous. I was, that was my ending question is, how is this gonna make the world a better place? I mean, done and done. I'm so inspired by that. uh, Yeah. And I think that, again, it's it's a motivation for us to act now, (laughs) right? I mean, a lot of, there's so much procrastination out there, and especially when we're isolated. And the thing I love about you, Barbara, is that you are so connected and generous and relational, um, and it seems that you prioritize that in your, as you're moving and becoming ever, you know, you're already immensely successful, but as you continue to expand and grow, you also continue your relationships and your connection. And it's just sort of like how you, it's woven into your sort of, I don't, career success is too small, but into your expansion. Well, you know, and,
1: it's yeah. like, thank you that. To- so kind of you to say that. That really means a lot to me. But I really believe that God put me on this earth, gave me the wealthy family, gave me the gambling, compulsive liar husband for a reason. That, that I am here for a reason. That I am here to really empower women financially and personally. Mm-hmm. And To do that, I had to, I had to empower myself first. And I think there is something, I think that becoming financially successful is an act of self-love. It's an act, it's an act of love for others because it's not having money it's what we can do to our money with our money to make the lives of those we love to make our lives the lives of those we love of causes we believe in to make that better but is it an act of self love because none of us should ever have to be in a job or a relationship or in any situation that makes us miserable yet we can't afford to leave that to me is what breaks my heart the most mm-hmm. is when we're trapped by lack of money
0: Yep. Hallelujah. Well, here's to freedom. Here's to the three steps. Back to the book. Are there really only three steps? Come on. (laughs) It says rewire for wealth. Three steps any woman can take to program her brain for financial success. And I do believe this because when we worked together, you kept coming back to very, you, you know, I mean, no offense, it was actually what I needed to hear, but you did repeat yourself because I needed to hear it 20 different ways before it like sank in. So what did uh, I repeat? believe you when you say there's only three steps? Oh, what um,
1: where did I keep repeating?
0: Oh, bringing me back to the fear, making me look at that over and over again until I was like, damn it. I do have a lot of fear. I mean, I know I had some, but like, whoa, you know, um, and the, uh, you know, the belief system k- k- coming back again to making me kind of look again, well, what's under that, what's under that, what's under that. So I don't know if you were working the three steps, but it seems like you have, uh, it seems simple as someone who's received the coaching and, um, but the book is, it's not a pamphlet. Let's put it that way. So
1: actually the, the, the book is very short. It's only like 200, 200- less than 200 pages i was amazed when i i just i've just seen the galleys um oh okay it's it, it's very simple and it's very difficult to do yeah. um so what happened is about six years ago just after sacred success came out and i gave a i did a, a workshop called the women's wealth weekend the awakening and it was fabulous. It was a fabulous workshop. It was sold out. I loved the women there. I felt like so happy. You know those when you you know how that feels when you just have a really successful event and you just feel so good and i came home and my world fell apart. It's like first what happened? All of a sudden i started losing interest in my work. Mm-hmm. I started getting bored. I started hating it. I started not wanting to get up in the morning. And it was crazy. It was, this made no sense. I love what I do. It's, it's my mission. It's my passion. And I remember I just started praying, what's going on? Just show me, show me. And I started getting really upset. And I thought, does this mean it's over? And I decided I'm just going to surrender. I'm just going to feel what I feel and allow it to happen. But something kept saying to me, there's a missing piece. There's a missing piece. Find the missing piece and you'll be all fine. Mm-hmm. And when you surrender, I swear, the power of surrender is phenomenal. I surrendered. And within a couple of days, I was on, I was going through my email. And there was an article in my inbox on neuroscience. I knew nothing about neuroscience, not a thing. I read this article and it was like, I think my brain lit up like a Christmas tree and said, oh my God, this is the missing piece. And I spent several years studying neuroscience, weaving it into my work and then decided to write this book. But I spent a lot of time with my guinea pigs. You were a guinea pig, Chantal. You know, trying it out, modifying, working on it. Right. Right. And, and what I, what I realized is that we always knew that the mind was important, but the brain is what controls our behavior. Our brain controls our behavior and our mind shapes our brain. Our brain is a a physical organ in our skull that works on electrical chemical impulses. Our mind is not an organ, organ, it is a, it is just an intangible entity that is a source of thoughts and feelings. And as those thoughts and feelings come, are released from our mind, it triggers the electrical chemical impulses to send signals to the neuron, to the brain. And this is how we build new neural pathways or strengthen the old ones. And so I figured if I could teach women not just to shift their thinking, but to change the neural pathways in their brain, because you can shift your thinking, but it's changing the neural pathways in your brain that keep you that will keep you stuck unless you do change them. If I could create a system, a very simple system, then that would expedite the learning curve and help women get past their resistance so much quicker. And that is rewire for wealth is the outcome of all that study.
0: Wonderful. Yes. Well, I just pre-ordered and um, awesome. we Thank will, you. yes, Thank you. we will have the link in the show notes to that. And I do believe it ships. I just had this information up. Can you tell us when it starts shipping?
1: January 12th.
0: Okay. So
1: just but if, if, if you pre-order, we got lots of little bonuses. We got prizes for you if you pre order. And you can go on my website, Barbara Houston, Barbara Houston, H U S O M, and look under books and we'll show you uh, the prizes you get if you pre order. And also on my website is a free ebook called The Rewire Response, which talks about those three steps. So you can get a head start. And learn the three steps and how to apply them, and I can tell you the three steps right now. But go and it's perfectly free the, the ebook.
0: Wonderful, yeah. My let's let's throw in the three steps just at a very top level as we're wrapping up here, and then um, and we'll send these links out in the show notes.
1: So you do these three steps over and over and over and over again, and at first they'll be really really hard, and you won't want to do them. But if you keep at it if you keep at it for 10 days, you will notice a difference. Mm. So the idea is we want to recognize the thoughts that we think that keep digging those neural pathways, like ditches, all our thoughts are like shovels and they keep digging the neural pathway deeper or they'll start digging a new one. So the, the three steps are recognize, reframe and respond differently. Recognize, reframe, respond differently. So simple. First, recognize the negative thought. Recognize the habitual thought. Observe your thoughts. Just observe them. Observe them not with judgment, not with criticism, but just observe them with curiosity. Oh, I'm having, I'm, instead of saying I'm scared, Say, I'm having a thought about being scared. That separates you because your thought is not the truth. Your thought is just your habitual thought. It is not the truth. So you say, oh, isn't that interesting? I am having a thought about being not enough. I am having a thought about there's never enough. I am having a thought, oh, I need to have those Prada shoes. So the first is just observe or recognize the negative thought second is reframe reframe is a superpower reframe simply means asking yourself how can i see this differently how can i see this differently um i'll I'll give you an example i just about a month ago my team and i decided about a a new project It was a project i had never done before and i had to write the, the, the scripts and i had to write these emails and i was terrified I was terrified. And the thought that com- kept coming up to me is, I don't have what it takes. This was brand new. And I just kept thinking, I don't have what it takes. I don't have what it takes. And I, I just observed it. I just write, oh, there's that thought. I'm, I'm thinking, I'm having a thought that I don't have what it takes. That's not true. That's just a thought. And then I reframed it. How can I reframe this? How can I see this differently? There's a lesson in A Course in Miracles. And I use it as a prayer and it goes above all else, how can I see this differently? And this affirmation came into my head and I wrote it down and I have it on a post-it note, I'm looking at it now and it says, I can handle this. So every time I went to sat down to do this project and I got this fear coming up, I just would say, I can handle this, I can handle this. And the more I said it, our words are so powerful. The words that come out of our mouth or in our head, they're the little ditches. They're the little shovels that dig those ditches or start digging new ones. And then I started responding differently. I started doing what I didn't wanna do and that's how you respond differently. Normally, I didn't wanna do this. I didn't wanna write this stuff. I didn't wanna deal with it and I did it and I forced myself. And eventually it became fun and the project was really fun. Got it. Yeah,
0: I mean, sometimes we just have to lead with action because the brain is just so tight,
1: (laughs) you know, the resistance is so strong. The the resistance is so strong because not only does it have a force that sucks you in seriously, just sucks you in, Mm -hmm. but every thought triggers a release of chemicals and our body literally becomes addicted to those chemicals like cortisol. And so we, we actually experience a withdrawal of those chemicals and we wanna go back, like we wanna go back to the bar <laughs> and have that, have whatever our fix is. And also whenever we're tired or stressed, we just always automatically revert to the deepest neural pathway, the most mm-hmm. hardwired habit. So it, it takes work, but I'm telling you it's phenomenal. It's phenomenal what can happen in a short amount of time if you have the discipline.
0: Yeah. Yeah. Well, okay, that's pretty simple. 10 days. That's a challenge to anybody listening to this. And uh, feel free to jump on and tell us how it's going in the comment section. And Barbara, it has been so rejuvenating and inspiring to be on with you as always. Thank you so much for your time and your wisdom. And I'm looking forward to more.
1: Thank you. I, I always love talking to you. So thank you for having me. Thank you.